Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. I'm Alpha. We can be as badass as we want. We now live in a nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, the press destroys information, religion destroys morals, our banks destroy the economy, the inability to defend on all of these fronts, be it voter suppression, and you can go down the line, you can go down the line. Good evening. I'm Alpha. This is the Alpha Show. Now, the master of common sense, take no prisoners in politics and game making. The man from Chicago who's got their numbers. This is Advanced Urban Political Talk Radio with Alpha. Here's Alpha. Well, good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Show, Spirit TruthWorks Network, where the truth must be spoken more than once. That's right. The truth must be spoken more than once, because lies are told over and over again at nausea, and that's why they get that catchy feel about them, and they catch on. They are repeated. The big lie from Donald Trump is continuing to spread like the virus has spread it throughout the U.S. And the fact that we have over, what is it, 80 million vaccinated? That might not be the correct number. That's the number I remember, and that the cases are going up. The deaths aren't as radical, but the case numbers are going up. More younger people are coming down with the virus. Younger people are dying from the virus. I said it before, and I'll repeat the truth. Trump supporters and Republicans are refusing to wear masks to sabotage this economy without realizing one thing. They will be affecting their own. Because people wearing masks aren't being affected. And the biggest strain in the United States now is the UK strain. It seems to have dwarfed the original strain, and the original strain is no longer relevant. It's the strain from Great Britain. 
the anti-vaxxers along with the anti-maskers are simply telling you the hell with you. We're not going to wear a mask and we're not going to get vaccinated. Now watch them as they get sick and as they fall. This should be of a concern to each and every one of you. Because masks and vaccinations are not foolproof. The anti-vaxxers and the people not willing to take the vaccine will be the only group out there that will not be vaccinated, and that's by choice. And by the way, yes, I just made an appointment for Sunday to get my vaccination, to get one shot of my vaccination. I would hope that um, I'll have to go back, I guess, and get the final shot. But I just want to get there and get this one shot first. One step at a time. These people are holding super spreader events. And for my money, I would have places like Michigan. Michigan is a blue state run by a blue governor. And the governor has instituted shutdowns and mandatory mask wearing. Well, the legislation overrode her veto in both cases. And this is the rub on all of this. As you see, the people who are getting sick in Michigan and seeing people dying in Michigan, you really have to ask yourself, you really have to come to this some conclusion. Are there Americans willing to kill other Americans to get power, to get their way? I say yes. I say yes. And tell me, how many Republicans are willing to flip-flop from Donald Trump caused the insurrection to, I'm supporting Donald Trump all the way. You know that Mitch McConnell? He's an effing hypocrite. And um, right after he voted to acquit him, that bastard, he came out and excoriated him and actually said he was the cause of the insurrection. Now he's saying he will vote for Trump. Even after 
the <laughs> even after the attacks from Donald Trump, it's I don't know. I can't say it's mind-boggling. I know why it happens, but this just goes to show you who these people are, who they are, and we know who they are. They will stand for nothing, let alone country, and that's what we have. They come out and the only things they can do is try to criticize sleepy, creepy, creepy Joe. And heaven help them if they fail. <laughs> because they fail. Here's, a, here's an example of complete and total failure. Uh, this is a clip, and it's a clip uh, by um, Tyler Old Brian Tyler Owens. I believe he has a podcast where he comes on, and uh, well, here he is. Tweets unimaginably conventional and said that his comments were largely scripted and questioned whether he was really in charge. Does the White House then have any reaction to that? Well, I can confirm that the President of the United States does not spend his time tweeting conspiracy theories. He spends his time working on behalf of the American people. Go ahead. Just going to put this out there. When your biggest complaint about Joe Biden is that he's not tweeting insane rants, you might have just lost the plot. Texas Senator John Cornyn is apparently displeased that Biden's tweets are too conventional, in case he thought the GOP somehow wasn't just some cowering extension of Donald Trump. If John Cornyn really wants a bunch of misspelled fleeting thoughts, I'll give an iPad to my nine-year-old niece, and Cornyn can take whatever she writes as gospel. But for now, unfortunately, he might have to settle for complete sentences and coherent thoughts. Consider, too, if this is what Republicans are complaining about now, then that's about as close to a compliment as Joe Biden's going to get. If their biggest gripe is really his lack of tweeting, if that's actually the best they can do in terms of pushing back against this president, then I'd feel pretty good if I was Joe Biden. What people like John Cornyn don't seem to understand is that politics is not sports. It's not entertainment. People's lives are on the line. We shouldn't be treating the political process like it's hell in the cell on WWE. We should be treating it, especially now, as a vehicle to ensure that people get relief or that they're not evicted in the middle of a pandemic, that vaccine sites are funded, that the vaccine itself is free for everyone, that cities and localities are funded so that police officers and firefighters and teachers and first responders get paid, that our roads and bridges are restored, that all Americans have access to broadband internet, that childcare is funded so that parents can go get jobs. That is what the government is supposed to do. But Republicans don't share that mindset. Republicans' entire MO is that the government should be as small as possible. And so in order to prove that we should shrink it, whenever they're in charge, they break it. And then they point to that broken government as proof that government doesn't work. And then as a result, they can shrink it even more. It's a vicious cycle that leads to disastrous outcomes. Like, for example, the complete and total mismanagement of the 
pandemic. Republicans opted to have as close to no government involvement as possible. No masks, no social distancing, no closed restaurants and businesses, no federal testing or contact tracing, and as a result, the virus exploded throughout the U.S., leaving a country with 4% of the world's population, the richest country on the planet, with a quarter of the world's deaths. That is the practical effect of small government. The fact is that if we've ever been shown the necessity for a competent, functional government, it's crises like the one we're in right now. And yet instead of using this moment to show Americans how our government can perform to help people when they need it most, Republicans opted to show Americans just how ineffective they could be. And so they governed via conspiracy theories and anti-science hackery, all of it under the guise of patriotism and freedom, to the point where almost 600,000 people died, the third biggest mass casualty event in American history. There is a price to governmental incompetence, and we're seeing that play out right now. So John Cornyn can mourn the days when the White House was led by a third-rate reality TV host who couldn't get through a single sentence with all of the words spelled correctly, but we've tried that circus approach, and it was not only an unmitigated disaster, but roundly rejected at the ballot box. The fact that Cornyn still openly yearns for it is a testament to the fact that he and his party aren't responsive to the will of Americans, they're responsive to the will of Donald Trump. That's not a party that cares about you, they care about their billionaire leader who lives in a country club. Remember that the next time they try to persuade you that they're the party of everyday Americans. To see more videos like this, don't forget to subscribe. Now, I'm going to ask a question because it just it just seems to me that these are no-brainers. These are no-brainers. And you really have to ask yourself, why isn't this the talking point? Why isn't this the talking point from the Democratic Party? Republicans have done nothing for the American people. In how many years? The guy on the tape, Michelle, is Brian Tyler Owens. And I run across him on Facebook after... After um, a, a, a Jen Psaki video <laughs> where she owns this reporter from Newsmax who's trying to, who, who spins his, uses his question, asking dumb questions. And she really let him have it. And it was a tape by... Um, this particular guy, and he's always on point with his tapes. These aren't just, you know, random guys, but he he, he does the, um, he works them over pretty good. Brian Tyler Owens. You know, Michelle, um, <laughs> it might be Tyler Brian Owens. Um, I've seemed to be foggy in the head most of the time here lately. So he has a podcast, the whole nine yards, but he has some very sharp and cogent stuff to talk about. And he lays it out, and it's 
it's really just just merely a talking point. Just a talking point. And Democrats seem to be oblivious to how how well this works. I also ran across this particular tape and it's a comedy. You have to really see the video. It's called Jerry Mander. The guy's name is Jerry Mander and he ran he's running for office. Hi, I'm Jerry, Jerry Mander, and I'm running for Congress in the once great state of Georgia. I'm a conservative, which means I believe in three things. God, guns, and that Jews should stick to comedy. No, I've never worn a mask. I want my wife to be able to see my face when I tell her she's not allowed to wear pants. Where I'm from, we believe in the national anthem. The only time we take a knee is to tie the shoelace of a World War II veteran. Call me old-fashioned, but if I'm elected, they ain't going to teach evolution in school. I mean, if we came from monkeys, then how come they're still monkeys? And Puerto Ricans, for that matter. Yep, liberals will tell you that we need to be diverse, but I can promise you right now, I don't know what that means. My wife Karen told me that yoga comes from India. Well, not on my watch. Pedophiles are running this country, and saying that out loud is all I'm willing to do about it. No, I won't be getting the vaccine. The only vaccine I need is prayer, which should be required in school along with proximity mines and bayonets for all the janitors. I don't know about you, but I like the past better. The now times make me scared in my squishy think-think spot because there's just so many things that I don't understand. And if I'm elected, you'll be allowed to shoot those things. I'm Jerry Mander. Vote for me. I'll suck a cop's dick. I'm Jerry Mander, and I approve this message. Paid for by gerrymander for Congress and a bunch of rich fucking assholes who fucking suck. <laughs> That's a comedy bit. The entire video is um, a comedy bit, and it um, it's like a campaign ad for Republicans, for the Southern Republicans. So, but it, I had to grab it when I heard it. It, it reminded me so much of um, the um, the guy on uh, the Stephanie Miller show, and it uh, it's it's really funny. And if you can see the video, it matches with the words. You'll see it it, have, it has a lot of a lot of inspirational things to it. And I, I grabbed I grabbed just those three clips, the gerrymander clip, the messaging fail clip from uh about um I did play that clip. <laughs> it's a messaging fail clip. And it's about the uh guy who raise the minimum wage to all of his employees to $70,000 a year. And there were at least 10 surrogates of the right chiding how his company would fail, chiding how 
he would ruin the other businesses around him. And that was in 2015. And they were also speaking about how he wouldn't be able to sustain that and go out of business. Well, his business exploded from $2 billion a year to $10 billion a year. His minimum wage, happy employees are good employees. Happy employees are loyal employees. And that's what he finds himself with. And kudos goes out to him. Because when you get to that point, and that's something else that you'd be said more than once, when Republicans join together to tell you that you'll never make it, you're a socialist, They are the ones who take advantage of the majority of the socialist programs we have here in this country. But since it doesn't hurt them to do so, they take advantage of it while talking down on it. And that is the problem. You can't have it all. You can never fix a problem with a lie. And the people who hear it know it's a lie. They should say so. They should say so, period. Take some time to win over the thoughts of the people in this country. You still have a great deal of people who are motivated, animated, enthusiastically angry that Donald Trump lost. And now Donald Trump is holed up in his third rate golf course, golfing club, where he's not allowed to live, and he's violating that law, in the, and he'll, he'll sue him, and he'll live there. It won't be a thing where he can't live there. He'll sue him and drag it out. The people who are against his living in uh, Mar-a-Lago, really are at his mercy because they have no money. And that's where they're living and that's what they're doing. We need to have more than just lip service for these people and what they stand for. Because please, Republicans stand for nothing. And it's a dark, it's a dark, dark time for Democrats because of Joe Manchin. 
Joe Manchin will not vote to get rid of the filibuster. Mitch McConnell will filibuster every single bill that comes through that Democrats want to accomplish. He's going to filibuster this infrastructure bill because they can't get what they want in it. And what they want in it will undermine the bill itself. Then they can go behind and criticize the bill for not getting done what Biden said he was going to get done. So that's where we are. They will, and they still have control. On a brighter front, there is a, and this always pisses me off, there is a caucus that is taking up the statehood of D.C. and Puerto Rico. And it's only in the caucus stage. And something else is in the early stages from the Biden administration is adding four judges to the Supreme Court. And you know Republicans, everybody on the wall, they got balls on the wall to stop that. So they don't want anything that will help the American people. And they scream about um, bipartisanship in every case, every case, in every program that Joe Biden wants passed, there is bipartisan support from the American people. Not from the politicians, not from the paid liars. But the surrogates out there from the Democratic Party that are non existent need to spread that too. You know, on the Sunday morning shows we see um Velchi at seven o'clock central. Uh, and behind her, behind him, is uh, Cross Connection with Tiffany Cross. So you're not going to see too much advocating for the people from the left because somehow that just doesn't bring in money. Although, watch the space. Rachel Maddow is the number one program in cable news. Not Sean Hannity, not Carlson, Tucker Bowtie, Bitch Face, Tucker Carlson. No one, not Laura Ingram. It's Rachel Maddow, along with Lawrence O'Donnell. These, these people are the ones who are 
reporting facts. Republicans have been reduced to reporting conspiracy theories, and then when it doesn't come to fruition, they simply change the subject and go over to something else. And that's acceptable for the Republicans. So that's why you got to be very careful about who they are and what they're doing. Five one six 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 nine five one six is the number that I can be reached here. And if you want to say something, you must press number one. It puts you into the host queue. Okay, five one six 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 nine five one six. Other stories. Roger Stone is um, is the target of a fraud investigation of a of a of another charity. I would presume because <laughs> let's face it, that's all he knows how to do. That's all this crowd knows how to do is defraud their donors. And they're very good at that because how else will the majority of them come back uh, defrauded and he's reverting the funds somewhere else. Let's see if I can find this story for you because it um, and and it's something else Paul Gosser's defense of the of his big lie is that there never even was an insurrection by Trump supporters just let that marinate here 100 days after the insurrection he comes up to say there was never any insulation by Trump supporters. And he's so emphatic about it. He's just daring someone to step in to have this argument with him. And it's like, dude, have you lost your mind? Have you totally lost your mind? We're not. We saw it with our eyes, but we're not supposed to um, believe it. One, this story came over late. New revelations about Donald Trump era continue to be revealed. It was on Thursday that federal government revealed new details of the 2016 Trump campaigns collusion with Russia. But the New York Times editor who literally wrote the book on Trump and Deutsche Bank is worried about one of his sources. 
David Enrich, author of Dark Towers, and uh, Ms. Dennis Graham has read that, and she's uh, she has uh, enlightened me to it. She's pulled my coat. He's the author of Dark Towers, Deutsche Bank, Donald Trump, and an epic trail of destruction, posted a plea for help on Twitter. He posted a plea for help on Twitter. Val Brooksmith, a longtime source about Deutsche Bank, is missing. Enrich tweeted, complete with Brooksmith's Bikini Robot at Bikini Robot Army and he was a lad he was last seen on April sixth in Los Angeles. His girlfriend says and Rich reported he noted a missing persons report was filed with the Los Angeles Police Department. I'm very worried about Val's safety. Please spread the word. Enrich urged. So this is straight up mobster. We couldn't stop you. We couldn't kill you before you told. But we're going to get you after you tell. So beware. And uh, David Enrich has a uh, he has a tweet where he has a picture of uh, of the guy, and I don't think he's going to find him. I don't think he's going to find him. And the the the, um, the story on Roger Stone, it just. You know, after a while, they take criminality to a whole new level. They make sure, they make sure that no one will ever be the wiser. They mess up the truth to the point where you don't know what the truth is or you're not supposed to know what the truth is. But uh, this particular Roger Stone dirty trickster and longtime Donald Trump advisor is facing new legal problems even after Trump commuted his prison sentence. The Department of Justice on Friday filed civil lawsuit, why civil, against Stone that alleges fraud and argues Stone needs to pay $2 million. Here's what Twitter thread posted by Reuters reporter Brad Heath on the brand new lawsuit, Department of Justice. DOJ says Stone and his wife moved $1 million to their 
LLC in 2018-19, then had the LLC pay a substantial amount of his bills. It's, uh, it's an amazing story. Um, it's on the uh, website Raw Story. And if you can get that and follow that thread and read more about the story, it's just, it's a handshaker. This boy, is a, he, he's a criminal <clears throat> all the days of his life. So I'd like for you to stay on top of that. And Kevin McCarthy argued the GOP is the party of Abe Lincoln, not racism. And that didn't go well. You're right. All they have, all they have is gaslighting. That's all they got. Lies. Gaslighting, conspiracy theories of things that never come to fruition. When, when can you depend on a Republican to legislate for the American people? There was a, there is a word that was used and I found out the meaning of the word. And it struck me as funny. I'm trying to remember. Heron Volk is a German word meaning yeah that's it. I found it. I'm going to put it up because it just struck me as right out of the playbook of white nationalists, white supremacists. I posted, I just posted it in the so it's a, a German national as considered by the Nazis to be innate innately superior to others. It's a word used by the Nazis to basically declare their superiority. Here it is. Okay. Heron Volk is the... And that's what we are... That's what we are witnessing. The Russians and implementing Donald Trump 
started has started to assault on all democracies around the world. And what's a better way to be successful is to take down the biggest democracy throughout the world. Let's take down the democracy in the United States. Let's sow confusion. Let's separate them and start a civil cold war. But we also we always have to have useful idiots who are part of the country. And that's part of losing. Republicans have no policies to help Americans. They have no policies, none, to help Americans do a damn thing. And I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than watching Americans side with the Russians, side with the white nationalists throughout Europe. and bring it to the United States. This is why I believe that, and I hold this feeling that everyone that they have brought in and charged in this capital uprising should get maximum sympathy. There should be, you know, we got one oath keeper. One oath keeper has flipped. So try to have him some protection because these boys are are trained killers. Now, you got to understand who the Oath Keepers are. The Oath Keepers are your former military elites. Going from Navy SEALs to Army Rangers, to each and every specialty in our armed services. These are retired and active duty soldiers who are nothing more than mercenaries for a cause. Vladimir Putin one of the richest men in 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 the world is paying top dollar and these guys are doing their bidding. All of the things that they fought for they are now paid to fight against. And they are, they're doing it gladly because somehow the payment that they're getting from their pension, their army, retirement, none of that's enough. There's a lot of money to be made if you are in the camp of these right-wing extremists. They make a lot of money. If you are a soldier, you can make a lot of money. 
And I think as these investigations go on, you will come to see that there are a lot of former military, a lot of Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, the elite strike forces who have moved on to fight against what they perceive to be a socialist America. Don't tell me about socialism. <laughs> that is strange, if nothing else. You saying something about socialism as you review socialism. As the clip that I played says, you have nothing but shrinking down the government. That's what they are about. They break it when they are in charge and then point to it that it's broken and they leave it to Democrats to fix as they obstruct the Democrats from fixing it then government can't work. And this goes for these uh, libertarians who want no government. Now tell me, where would the people in Texas be when the infrastructure caved and failed and was just minutes away from the whole thing going down and being a three-, four-month project to restore it? When the government came and stepped in and caught it. It was bad, but it could have been worse. And they did not. I repeat, they did not care one iota about the government doing its job for them. Not once. So we have a very, I'll call it a touch-and-go situation. And this touch-and-go situation seems to be really predicated on who in the hell do you believe? And I'm going to tell you like this. There's no way, there's nothing that a Republican can say that I will believe because it's vice versa. And I would be remiss if I were to say, people, there will be no voting rights bills to save us because of Joe Manchin because of the filibuster. They are attacking us at the polls. And I want to play this clip from uh, Dr. James L. Taylor. And Dr. Taylor basically lays it out. And why can't, why can't you see it? Why can't people understand 
exactly what our problem is. This is Dr. Taylor. And it rang true then and it rings true now. Black people have the bad habit of loving everybody else's cause. And no, and if you think about it, who loves us back? What, 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 what racial group loves us back? Is there one race in America that loves black people as much as they hate them? Because all hate us. But does any love us? See, I don't know of anybody that loves us, but I know we love every group that don't love us. We love Jews. We love the Irish. We love white people in general. We love the police. Um, we, we, we love, um, you know, our white Christian brothers and sisters. Black people will love a cop that killed their son in the courtroom like Botham John. We'll love a white man that prays with us for three hours and then kills us in Charleston. We'll love a man, a white man with a gun who could have easily let my son not be paralyzed, but we'll love a white man who shoots my son in Kenosha seven times in the back at the, in front of his children and paralyze him. And before I sit down for my interview with Mr. Crump, my attorney, I forgive the white cop that shoots him and says he needs training. That's some black forgiveness that no white person has ever demonstrated. In fact, Ms. Graham, I sat here and watched last night the footage of the Black Panther Party, as it related on YouTube to Fred Hampton, and they talked about the two New York police officers who were killed by some New York Panthers. One was black and one was white cop. The, uh, the white wife uh, was on the recording talking about the murder of her husband and the, fate, the parole of the brother who's still in, he's still in prison for 49 years from the Black Panther killing of NYPD. And the white woman sat there and said, I don't forgive him. I'm never going to forgive him. When he dies, his God, whatever God he believes in, their God can take care of them. That's a white person. A black person is the black people in Charleston Church forgave that devil, and that's what he was, a devil. He, they forgave that devil before their blood dried. The, same, the sun was still up, and the word went out to all black America, we forgive him. And half black people were angry, and the other half of y'all that go to church and that are Christian were like, well, Lord, I know, I understand. That, that's what we're supposed to do. That, that's what the Bible teaches, right? But how come we're the only ones that learned it? How come, how come the white man ain't learned to be forgiving? In all your black life, and you're 75 years old, mama, you're 72 years old, daddy, you're 48 years old, uh, brother, and you ain't never in your black life seen a white man stand up at a press conference on CNN or Fox or MSNBC and say, I forgive the brother, the black man that shot my daughter, or I forgive the black man that robbed my house, or I forgive the black man that killed my police officer husband. You'll never see it because they don't have it in them. But I've given you five examples randomly that happened with us just in the Black Lives Matter movement. Martin Luther King's whole philosophy was around, um, you know, letting the racist kill us. King believed that we should love the racist even as he's killing us. That's how sick Martin Luther King's ideology was. 
That was ridiculous. I don't know what Martin Luther King was thinking. And that's why a lot of people rejected it. King believed in unmerited suffering was redemptive, meaning if the racist is killing you, love him to death. Now, I ain't got that kind of religion. I ain't got that kind of faith. I ain't got that kind of Bible. And I'm just saying to you, black people are expected to have that kind of deep faith. White people aren't. White people aren't expected to forgive. Why? Why aren't white people, when we do wrong in society, crime, or anything, why are, we, why are they not expected to forgive? And why do white people never forgive? But black people forgave in Botham John and in Charleston and in Kenosha. So why not? Why is it that black people are always forgiving, but we can never be forgiven? Why is it that this constant plot to demonize and vilify and make black people appear scary, stronger, more vicious, in the police, in the heads of white people. This is a, this is the, I have to say, the most obvious. Yet, not enough black people go to a microphone to talk about it. The forgiveness that Dr. Taylor and the examples that he laid out, not enough people push that forward. You see, for black people, their fate was doomed when they accepted the Bible of their oppressor because then their oppressor knew that they could nitpick that in that big book. Don't know how many pages in it. I don't know. I haven't read it. They could nitpick that book to keep the believers. And they made sure that most black people in bondage believed in that Bible. We believe that our paradise and our rewards would come after death. Martin Luther King came along and he fought for equality. He fought and thought that if we could just get equal treatment that we would be okay. So did we ever get equal treatment? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. We never got equal treatment. So what is it? What is it? We're told in the Bible, <laughs> you, 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 you got to Give your tithes. So what happened? Slick-talking black folks became preachers. They became the 
thieves in the temple. A stealer of your time. I'm sorry, I got to say it. I'll say it over and over. Not all churches. Not all churches. So spare yourself if you're going to call me and tell me how all churches aren't thieves. All pastors aren't thieves. With all of the money that circulates through churches, and if their charter is to end poverty and hunger. They collect enough money from the black community to achieve that goal. But instead of that, you got them out here flying around in their own personal jets, living in mansions, undescribable wealth, And where does that leave the community? It's enough to make me sick. And I guess that's why I'm not a part of anyone's church. Because uh, somebody must around get hurt. So Dr. Taylor is absolutely right on forgiveness. Forgiveness is nothing more than a ploy taken out of the Bible to keep us in line. Because you have to keep us online when the racist culture is about. When we do wrong in society, crime or anything, why are we? Why are they not expected to forgive? And why do white people never forgive? But black people forgave in Botham John and in Charleston and in Kenosha. Why? It has something to do with the lack. It has something to do with the fact that the one thing white people have in common is racist culture, and that's the only culture they have left. So that's why they're expressing the, the, the culture we still have left, we're expressing in, in cultural forms. The culture they have left is racist culture. And believe me, they're going to use it. They're going to use it. Because, <laughs> as my man... Keith Overman says they're all out of bullshit. All out of bullshit. And I'll be damned if I can find him. But uh, this is more like a B movie. More and more like a B-movie. How does that go? 
Racism is up. Human rights are down. Peace is shaky. War items are hot. I don't know. But here it is. Before the free press went down before full court press, they were reluctant to view the menu because they knew the only thing available was Crow. Lion Cheney, our man of a thousand faces. No match for Ron. Doug Henning does the makeup. Special effects from Grecian Formula 16 and Crazy Glue. Transportation furnished by the David Rockefeller Remote Control Company. Their slogan is, why wait for 1984? You can panic now and avoid the rush. So much for the good news. As Wall Street goes, so goes the nation. And here's a look at the closing numbers. Racism is up. Human rights are down. Peace is shaky. War items are hot. The house flames all time. Jobs are down. Money is scarce. better than ever and now no one is looking because we're starring in a big movie there you go peace is shaky waters are hot uh-uh-uh. brother Gil Scott Heron he was amazing and if you've ever seen him perform his voice his pitch or just natural Peace is shaky, white of the hot. The house collects all tabs. Brother Gil Scott here. I gotta tell you. Tomorrow night, join me. I will be there with. Miss Janice Graham at our common ground, ten o'clock, ten o'clock Eastern time. Our common ground here at Blog Talk Radio with host Miss Janice Graham. I really enjoy. Some of the clips that I pulled down for uh, Mr. Oberman because he literally destroys, literally destroys these folks in ABS. You have to, I guess you have to see things in a different perspective because most of you, this is, uh, this is Scooter's, this is Scooter's brother. Scooter was the guy, uh, in the Obama era, who was just anti-Obama. 
But this is Scooter's brother. Hi, I'm Jerry, Jerry Mander, and I'm running for Congress in the once great state of Georgia. I'm a conservative, which means I believe in three things. God, guns, and that Jews should stick to comedy. No, I've never worn a mask. I want my wife to be able to see my face when I tell her she's not allowed to wear pants. Where I'm from, we believe in the national anthem. The only time we take a knee is to tie the shoelace of a World War II veteran. Call me old-fashioned, but if I'm elected, they ain't going to teach evolution in school. I mean, if we came from monkeys, then how come they're still monkeys? And Puerto Ricans, for that matter. Yep, liberals will tell you that we need to be diverse, but I can promise you right now, I don't know what that means. My wife Karen told me that yoga comes from India. Well, not on my watch. Pedophiles are running this country, and saying that out loud is all I'm willing to do about it. No, I won't be getting the vaccine. The only vaccine I need is prayer, which should be required in school along with proximity mines and bayonets for all the janitors. I don't know about you, but I like the past better. The now times make me scared in my squishy think-think spot because there's just so many things that I don't understand. And if I'm elected, you'll be allowed to shoot those things. I'm Jerry Mander. Vote for me. I'll suck a cop's dick. I'm Jerry Mander, and I approve this message. Paid for by Jerry Mander for Congress and a bunch of rich fucking assholes who fucking suck. <laughs> Oh, man. Especially the end. The disclaimer guy who comes on paid for by <laughs> gerrymander and the rich. <laughs> I couldn't, I could I had to use that. I had to use that. Um, I know most of you can tell that I've kind of steered away from what what is just a crazy. That's all we can say about it. It's just crazy. I wonder is this it? You know, my CEO, Ms. Janice Graham, She's always on me about order and keeping things in order, but I got to tell you, I see this up here. It's all bunched up, and I don't know what the hell it is. I I can't remember, and I have so much stuff from uh, Keith Olbermann because Keith, to me, to me, he's brilliant. The, the analogies he uses, the metaphors he uses, and the way he calls out the ignorance, the stupidity of these politicians. Matt gets Where do you think Matt gets is headed? Trump and the right wing have dropped him like a like an infected uh, so I'm anxious to see how 
how that heads to fruition. can't tell me. As far as his his partner in crime, he's facing 33 indictments. He can spend the rest of his life in prison. You're telling me he's not going to flip on old frat boy? He's not going to flip on old frat boy You're damn right he is. <laughs> You're damn right he's going to flip on him. You're damn right he's going to flip on him. And I don't know if he's going to jail, although if the 17-year-old uh, transporting her is accurate, 12 years. He must get 12 years. He can't deal that down. He can't, his, his rich daddy can't pay that down. He can't get down. He's going to jail for a while. And hopefully there will be a crowd out there going, lock him up, lock him up, chanting and cheering. And that's the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Republicans get caught and they say, to hell with you. This is my business and my business alone. And the one thing they love to talk about is freedom. Freedom in the Constitution. They don't follow, follow either. And it's just gotten so, so nasty, so ugly. that pushing uh, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, he's he's right from their playbook, so he wasn't going anywhere. I was was very, I was understanding that he was going nowhere. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to charge him so that he could bear pressure on Ty Vance and Patricia James as governor. They should record any conversations with him because he will definitely lie. Definitely lie about it. Where is the where is the where is the bipartisanship? That's your bipartisanship right here. This is Olbermann versus Trump. Donald Trump needs to take his crocodile tear words about this being the time for our nation to heal and shove them up his ass. 
as we get a clearer picture of the dimensions of last week's coup attempt and the follow-up threatened for next week, as we hear not commentators, but U.S. attorneys use the term sedition and murder, it is obvious that hundreds of the idiots who listen to the Republican lies about the election will be going to prison, and that Trump Jr. and Giuliani and others may be charged by the D.C. district attorney. It is just as obvious that Trump will be impeached again with Republican votes, and in the Senate there will be Republican votes against him. Last Wednesday, Trump stepped into history as a man who did more damage to this country than Jefferson Davis, Joe McCarthy, Aaron Burr, Tokyo Rose, and Osama bin Laden ever dreamed of. Yet there, on his stunt trip to Texas, to do the only thing he's really good at, staring at a goddamned wall... Trump again threatened the nation with his followers, quote, tremendous anger, and he threatened the president-elect. Yet his hypocritical, tinny, nauseating calls for healing and unity are still being echoed by his Republican co-conspirators, like the human versions of Beavis and Butthead, Congressman Jordan and Gates, by Trump campaign staffers, by those idiots out there who only heard one thing Trump said on Tuesday, quote, there is always a counter-move. You want healing and unity? Get Trump on TV to tell America Biden won, and there is no fraud, and he has been scamming them. You want healing and unity? Get one of the lunatics like Alex Jones or Chanel Rion to announce that COVID-19 is real and masks are essential. You want healing and unity? Get Marjorie goddamn Taylor Greene to announce QAnon and Pizzagate and the whole right-wing conspiracy cult is bullshit. You want healing and unity? Get Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell to be the ones to introduce the legislation that utilizes the 14th Amendment and bars Trump from federal office for life. You want healing and unity? Remove the greatest threat to healing and unity in American history. Get Donald goddamn Trump out of office and we don't give a good goddamn how you do it. Well, tell us how you really feel, Keith. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Keith Overman. You know, the Louis DeJoy, he just implemented a 10-year plan that will slow down the mail and double it and the cost of a stamp. We have to. We've we've had a bargain for centuries, but government can't do a damn thing according to them. But they were sure taking advantage of the postal rates and the postal service. The post office is not a for-profit business. Post office is a service. If you want a, a male slowdown, just keep the joy around for a few more months, and you'll have it. Thousand men and women of the uh, of the postal service, and they we did uh, usual thing that we do every election, perform extraordinary measures. We delivered 99.7 percent. We have a report out that's on our website. 99.7% of, uh, of, of ballots 
uh, within two days, some very, very extremely high numbers. I have it written down someplace here. But everything was in the 99%. At ballots to election from voters to uh, uh, election boards uh, were uh, 1.7 days, the average time, across 135 million ballots. Let me follow up on the gentleman from Georgia's questions then uh, to the two previous witnesses. Would you say with the near, excuse me, let me quote the gentleman from Georgia, the almost perfect delivery of ballots in the previous election, given that fact, would you say that it was unconscionable that someone would, would dispute and vote to undo the results of that almost perfect delivery of ballots in the previous election? To either of the two previous witnesses. Let me, let me just recount the facts. The gentleman from Georgia voted to undo the elections in two separate states. And so he has just spent about five minutes reminding us, in his own words, that the delivery of ballots was almost perfect by the United States Postal Service in that election that he voted to undo. So I'm asking you uh, whether you, you, the evidence that you have supports that. Any time now. Okay, reclaiming my time. I didn't think so. The thing about Republicans who push the big lie is that when they try to absolve Postmaster General DeJoy and say that the election ballots had a near-perfect return rate, then it really does put on full display the fact that they then turned around and tried to throw those very ballots away. I mean, think about it. This is a hearing in which a Republican is cheering on the fact that more than 99% of mail ballots arrived, clearly suggesting that that is a good thing, and yet that very Republican voted to overturn Biden's win, which was the result of those very ballots whose arrival he's applauding. I'm not saying he's a hypocrite. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. The Republican at the beginning of this clip is Congressman Jody Heiss from Georgia, who voted to overturn the November 3rd election results, which would not only nullify the votes of over 35,000 Democratic voters in Clark County, Georgia, but 2.5 million Democratic voters in the state and over 81 million Americans. And beyond that, on January 6th, Heiss urged his supporters to, quote, fight and stated, quote, this is our 1776 moment, hours before thousands of Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol building in an attempt to subvert the election. In fact, it was Heitz himself who stood up and objected to the certification of the results while baselessly citing unlawful election changes in Georgia. For what purpose does the gentleman from Georgia rise? Mr. President, myself, members of the Georgia delegation and some 74 of my Republican colleagues and I object to the electoral votes from the state of Georgia on the grounds that the election conducted on November 3rd was faulty and fraudulent due to, un, uh, due to unilateral actions by the Secretary of State to unlawfully change the state's election process without approval from the General Assembly and thereby setting the stage for an unprecedented amount of fraud and irregularities, and I have signed the objection myself. Only here's the thing. 
While Heist tries to claim that any changes made by Secretary of State Raffensperger to the state's election process without approval from the General Assembly was unlawful, that is a straight-up lie. Why? Because this exact issue is already adjudicated. It was heard by a federal judge in a northern Georgia district court where Lynn Wood, one of the sycophant lawyers arguing on behalf of Donald Trump, claimed that the so-called consent decree, which basically allowed Raffensperger to notify people within 24 hours if their ballot was rejected, was an unconstitutional change of election law because the Secretary of State made the decision and not the General Assembly. But a judge ruled on this issue and affirmed the consent decree as legal, stating, quote, recognizing that Secretary Raffensperger is the state's chief election official, the General Assembly enacted legislation permitting him, in his official capacity, to formulate, adopt, and promulgate such rules and regulations, consistent with law, as will be conducive to the fair, legal, and orderly conduct of primaries and elections. The settlement agreement is a manifestation of Secretary Raffensperger's statutorily granted authority. In other words, the entire basis for Representative Heiss's objection had already been litigated and adjudicated. That issue is already put to rest. So he's basically saying here that he knows better than the courts and that even though this issue is already resolved, he'll still argue that the consent decree was illegal because it didn't fit into his preconceived partisan agenda. These people clearly don't care about the law because if they did, they'd respect the branch of government whose job is to actually interpret that law. And by the way, just in response to these Republican efforts to rewrite history and paint Louis DeJoy as some kind of hero because more than 99% of election mail was delivered, the only reason that mail was delivered was because a federal judge, Emmett Sullivan of the U.S. District Court for Washington, D.C., ordered the USPS to immediately send postal inspectors to post offices in various cities and states across the country to sweep for any ballots that had yet to be delivered and send them out immediately. Those ballots weren't delivered because of Louis DeJoy. They were delivered in spite of Louis DeJoy. The ballots that remained at those facilities were there because his changes sent on-time delivery rates plummeting. So no, this wasn't some reflection of Louis DeJoy's impeccable leadership. It was a reflection of a court order to force the USPS to clean up DeJoy's mess. The simple fact is that Louis DeJoy tried to slow down the mail expressly because it was Democrats who were likely to vote using that method. That is why Donald Trump put him in that position, and DeJoy did exactly what was expected of him. And when that didn't work, people like Jody Heiss stepped in and tried to invalidate those same ballots that DeJoy tried to prevent from arriving. Both of these men were complicit in the scheme to deprive tens of millions of Americans from having their voices heard in the last election. And in their otherwise insignificant place in history, this will be their only sorry legacy. another narration by Brian Tyler Owens. And I hope I'm not getting those names mixed up. But um, I'm trying to remember who he he speaks, what platform he speaks from. And it's, uh, it's a little tough. Yeah, it's just a little tough. You know, I believe that I I don't watch Fox News. I get a lot of uh, a lot of information from these websites that carry news stories. And it's just 
to me, it is sickening. Liberty University is suing Jerry Falwell Jr. for $10 million. I wonder why. I'm sorry, 10 plus million. So I would think that um, <laughs> there needs to be a a reckoning over at Fox News. Things are changing very quickly in this country. Everyone's good pal Tucker Carlson he equates Biden to Hitler. Yep. A proposed infrastructure and jobs bill is changing the country too fast for the new leader of the white hood mob and Fox News. He's right. He is a part of the white hood mob. Old Tucker Boy Carlson, real women. You'd rather live without her. 516-666-9516 is the number I can be reached. I've got one caller on the board, but doesn't seem to want to say anything. He doesn't have his hand up. And I know there's nobody but house music lover. My man. <laughs> Hey, House, I heard from a Rondé last week. You remember a Rondé? We we had a nice conversation. Called into the show. We chopped it up, son. Now I want to talk about these consistent, non-stop murders of unarmed young black men by authorities. I'm going to say this. The reason they don't shoot white unarmed people as much as they do black unarmed people is not only do they fear unarmed black people running away from them to be more scarier than one white man with a bat chasing them. Have you seen the videos? They won't shoot a white man to save their own lives. I've seen a white guy fend off four or five cops. And when they did get the back from him, he whooped their ass. Nobody shot him. And I've seen it more than three times. Three different videos. I saw the video of the two cops 
We got a domestic disturbance call. And as they were pulling up, a black guy had just taken his garbage out. And he looked at them, and they pulled up and said, hey, you, turn around. He's not knowing what's going on. Turn around. And they got up to him. I said, turn around. He's asking for what? What did I do? I'm taking my garbage out. And they arrested an old boy, took him to the ground, scuffed him up. His girl came out in a robe. They basically disrobed her. And, of course, she had no clothes on and the whole nine yards. Those are the kinds of situations where the cops should lose their job and pay a huge penalty once they are sued civilly. And that money should come from those cops' pension to help satisfy those debts, empty out their pension. The woman who shot the young man, the 20-year-old young man, uh, she's a 26-year veteran. And she trains in the use of tasers, and she emphasizes the difference in the weight, the whole nine yards. So when the scuffle broke out, she fired once. And she thought she had her taser when she actually had a gun. And she better cut a deal for second-degree manslaughter and just go on to jail. Because what you are about to witness is she'll cut a deal and plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter in the second degree, get no jail time, and go on about our business. And that's how, that's her best hope to get out of this. Because anything other than that, she's got a problem. She's got a very big problem. And that very big problem is going to get huge. <laughs> and it's it's just sickening. We had a, a, a Hispanic boy. Shots fired. There's two guys that the police literally rolled up on. And one of them broke and ran. And I'll tell you like this. The reason he broke and ran is because the older guy Pass the weapon to him. And as a 13-year-old getting caught with a weapon comes up in a child's court. So he wasn't worried about what happened to him when he got caught. But he didn't get caught. When the cop ran him down, he told him to put his hands up and turn around. 
He put his hands up and turned around, and within one second, he was shot and on the ground. So, I'm looking for a reason, a reason not to charge that cop. And it's called qualified immunity. And most of your unions, most of your unions, if not all of them, negotiate for this qualified immunity. Which simply states, as a police officer, whatever you do, we will not charge you with anything. That's what makes this bad. Very bad. And closing arguments... Closing arguments start Monday in the Chauvin Chauvin trial on George Floyd. And did did everybody see how he preferred to assert his Fifth Amendment rights, which I knew everybody knew he was going to do. But um, he was so arrogant about it. It is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Will the country ever come together? Hell no. Hell no. Well, there will always be shooting unarmed black men. They will always be violating the rights of people of color. So, is there a remedy? Would someone like to offer up a remedy? I didn't think so. But this has to stop. And since Joe Manchin is going to stand in the way of the filibuster, Mitch McConnell will thank him, and he'll get his payoff as he represents West Virginia. I've even wondered what it would take, 
but they have these bills ready to go in case a couple of senators did not could not make the session and say they had the majority by 48, 47. They should. They should do whatever it takes to get HR 1, HR 4, this infrastructure bill through. And everything else declare a national emergency and pass it. And pass it. And the courts don't just add four new jurors, add six, add eight. Why not? And when they say they're packing the courts, no. No, no, no. We're balancing the courts. And tell me something. Why isn't the House of the Democrats raining hell, raining hell on Roberts in the Supreme Court? for allowing this money to corrupt our politics. It's politics fail. It's politics because we cannot come to a consensus. Republicans walk in lockstep Forget about Lisa Mikowski and and the girl from Maine, Collins. They're going to talk crap like moderates will, but they're nothing more than the Joe Manchins from the other side. And Joe Manchin will be the foil for the Democrats and what has started out to be a promising, promising year. And now they can't get the pandemic under control because Republicans are sabotaging it by not wearing masks and not getting the vaccine shots. They won't get vaccinated. And for that, I simply say, I'm about done. Well, I've been done with them for a long time. But uh, Republicans, A, can't be trusted. Republicans, B, have no plan, have no nothing to pass, to offer to the American people. And that's just the truth. All they got is voter suppression. 
and they're blocking the remedy for these 306 bills that they're passing in 47 states to suppress our votes even further. If they are successful, democracy is dead as we know it. We will enter an era of heron woke democracy, heron woke democracy. German nation as considered by the Nazis to be innately superior to others. That's where we're going. So in a small recap, they are looking for one of the informants of Deutsche Bank who has disappeared. Anyone ever see the movie uh, The International with Live Owens? Or is it Clyde? I think it's Clyde Owens. The name of the movie is The International. And it's about the same thing. The banks wield the power, and when they lose the, the, the voting part, they simply assassinate those who are supposed to be the lawmakers. You can't tell one from the other. So, just let me say this. If we don't get rid of the filibuster, nothing of substance will pass. Put it back up there. I don't know. I would like to think that somehow all of the happy elation that we've experienced in January, the beginning of the year, is not so easily thwarted. the Republicans. They are devoid of any of any character. Show me a Republican with character. I didn't think so. 
that's where we are. Come on, think about it now. That's where we are. We can scratch, we can fight, we can call all you want. Republicans will win because, and get this, Republicans are going to win without any ideas. All they have are lies, conspiracy theories, and the media. That's right. And the media. But don't be discouraged. We're not done. Don't be discouraged. We're not done. Because anything can happen. And a lot of times it will. We're talking about politics. I just wish the Democrats would bring a gun to the knife fight. Surprise me. (laughs) Surprise me. You can only get back if you get there. You can only give payback. If you get there, and if not, well, that means America is a great country, and America is a country that was founded on the premise of white supremacy and white superiority. I know you have heard in this entire debate, well, there's a difference between heritage and hate, and there's a difference between Southern culture and slavery, and the monuments are celebrating heritage, they're celebrating culture, they're celebrating Southern pride, and people have understood these code words for a long time. So. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and what greets me as a citizen of Tennessee when I go to my state capital in Nashville where my grandparents lived, Nathan Bedford Forrest. Well, he made a fortune in Memphis as a slave trader, and he was the original Grand Wizard of the KKK. He led a Confederate massacre of black soldiers and white soldiers, American soldiers during the Civil War. And this monument wasn't put up in 1865 or 1866 with people saying he's such a hero, we have to recognize him. This monument was built in 1970, two years after Martin Luther King was shot in the neck just down the road from Nashville, Tennessee. And we'll come to that timing as we go through this because the timing of these monuments, I think, suggests something that's very important in terms of understanding what they're about. When were these monuments built? There were two spikes between the end of the 1800s and about 1921. 
What else was going on at the exact same time in America? The fact that this was normal, the fact that this was behavior that didn't really shock anybody tells you something about how deeply white supremacy has been ingrained into American culture. 1921, the black community in Tulsa, Oklahoma was one of the most prosperous communities in America, and the whites there decided they weren't going to have it, so they simply burned it to the ground. Almost 300 people killed. That's what was going on at the exact same time was this explosion of Confederate monuments, an explosion of thanks and praise for people who had done nothing other than fight to maintain white supremacy and slavery. When you think about when these monuments were built and what else was going on in America, it tells you something about the motivation. So how about that second, 1947 to 1968? One thing that people forget about our history is that Reconstruction after the war was actually working. There were over 2,000 black elected officials in America. Businesses that blacks were starting were starting to take hold. And in 1877, I think it was Groven, I can't remember the president, but he got elected and basically said, I'm withdrawing the troops. In 1876, there were 125,000 black registered voters in Louisiana. In 1878, that number dropped to 5,000. And if you're wondering about the flag, it had essentially been dead and buried until 1948 when Strom Thurmond brought it back with the Dixiecrat Party. And once again, they are telling us as clearly as they can what they are about and why they're waving that flag. The party's purpose was clear. We stand for segregation of the races. This is from the editor of the Augusta, Georgia Courier in 1951. Folks, they are saying it as plainly as they can. And yet, we are still having a debate in this country about what this stuff means. I am going through this to try and show you the events that were happening at the same time that this second explosion of monuments in the South to Confederate heroes was being built. And then this happened in 63. Segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever, and just a few weeks later, the Confederate flag was flying over the University of Alabama. And in September of 1963, these four girls got blown up in this church. This was the young girl that survived. 
These are the faces of people watching the bodies being taken out of the church. This is what was happening as the second explosion of Confederate monuments was happening in America. So some of these statues are coming down. They're being removed in the dark of night because the city officials don't want to remove them in the day because there might be disputes, there might be violence, there might be fighting. My only point is this. There is a movement in America that has not been in existence in my lifetime. I was 11 years old in Memphis when King was shot and killed. And I was young, but I was old enough to know enough. And what I'm telling you is the discussions about racial equality that were going on then are nowhere near as deep, as intense, and as revealing as the discussions that are going on today. As scared as I feel and as frustrated as I feel with what's going on in this country, there is a part of This has been another exciting episode of The Alpha Show. We appreciate your listenership. Thank you for joining us at TruthWorks Network, The Alpha Show. Join us next Wednesday, 10 p.m. That's where we are. And that's why it's almost the bewitching hour. It's almost checkmate. It's almost that time. The time is of no return. It's almost the time when we won't be able to recover. Because recovery simply will not be in the cards for us. We cannot, I repeat, we cannot continue down this road. Because this road is headed for the ultimate dead end. Everybody thinks we're all Who are they to judge us? Mother, mother Simply call me sweet Where I have all Mother, mother Ooh. Thank you.